Years ago, when I'd go around and visit, I had a pocket Bible. It had a tendency to open up at a certain spot. I suppose sometimes I'd read in the homes from that spot more than I would other places. Well, that spot is where we are today. You can see at the enclosure in your bulletin, Luke chapter 5. It's become a rather special passage to me. And it happened that as the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God, he stood by the lake of Gennesaret and saw two ships standing by the lake. But the fishermen were gone out of them and were washing their nets. And as he entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's, and prayed him that he would thrust out a little from the land, And he sat down and taught the people out of the ship. Now when he had left speaking, he said to them, to Simon, amazing words here, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a draft, a catch. And Simon, we might add the professional, answering said to him, teacher, We've worked all the night and have taken nothing. (laughs) Nevertheless, at your word, I'll let down the net. And when they had this done, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes, and their net broke. And they motioned to their partners who were in the other ship that they should come and help them. And they came and filled both the ships so that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. Because he was astonished, and all who were with him, at the catch of the fishes which they had taken, And so was also James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Fear not, from now on you shall catch men. And when they had brought their ships to land, they forsook everything, and they followed him. You know, oftentimes as we read the scripture, we don't read carefully enough. And so we miss some of the blessings that God can give us. We should, I think, normally read carefully and prayerfully. Well, this is an interesting and amazing incident. Notice back in verse 1, the people were pressing on him to hear God's word. The crowd was pushing on him. (laughs) There was a huge number of people. They wanted to hear God's truth. That's a good thing to do, isn't it? To have a great desire to hear God's truth. Are we not here in part today for that very reason? Is there not in our hearts a desire 
to hear God's word. We, like them, can be blessed as we absorb and take in the truths of God. And he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret. That was the Sea of Galilee. It was called this, sometimes it's called the Sea of Tiberias, the emperor. <clears throat> so he saw a couple of ships standing there close to the lake in verse 2. But they were empty. The fishermen, you see, were gone out of them. They were washing their nets. They'd come in from an all-night work time trying to catch fish. Have you ever gone out and fished maybe for hours and you ended up with what they did? Nothing? <laughs> it's kind of discouraging. I remember when I was young, younger, when I was around 11 or 12, I got my dad to take me to the pier at Newport Beach, I believe for two days, and we caught nothing. That kind of destroyed my desire to go fishing. However, I have a son or two, not Philip, that have made up for that deficiency. At any rate, they'd worked here all night, evidently. They were washing their nets, preparing for perhaps that night, and that was it. But since the crowd was pushing on Jesus, there were so many people there. Verse 3, he entered into one of the ships, it was Simon's, asked him that he'd push out a little from the land. He sat down and he taught the people out of the ship. That was a logical thing. When you're being pushed on, the crowd is so eager, he did the logical thing of, of getting into the boat and getting a little bit away where he had some elbow room. The things in our lives, sometimes we need to do what's logical. We use our heads. God gave us a lot of leading, I believe, when he gave us a brain. We're learning a lot more about how the brain functions in this day and age. But the thing is, we need to use what God has given us use the reason and do the wise thing. So he sat down. Preachers don't necessarily have to stand up when they speak. Jesus sat down sometimes. He did that when he gave the Sermon on the Mount. He talked to people. There they were, gathered about him. So there was a blessing here. They were helped. They heard God's truth. Their eagerness was rewarded. And as we have a desire and a thirst for God's word, like the baby likes the milk, 1 Peter chapter 2, we too can be satisfied. <clears throat> Verse 4. Now here we come to the very interesting thing that happened. When he'd stopped speaking, he said to Simon, launch out into the deep. Go way back where you were. Go into the lake and let down your nets for a catch. This was illogical. 
After all, nighttime was a better time for fishing. They'd worked all night, and they'd caught a nothing. And yet Jesus tells them to do that. That's kind of a, a crazy thing, especially for the professional fisher. Peter and probably the others really wondered about this. But it was a promise, actually, as well as a command. Go back out there. Let your nets down. You're going to catch a bunch of fish. Well, Simon, <laughs> Peter, the fisherman who knew about fishing, this was a little too much for him. So in a sense, he sort of rebukes Jesus. Teacher, we've worked all the night and have caught nothing. So basically he was saying, there's no point in going out again. We can't catch anything now. This is not the time for fishing. We've tried our best. But on the other hand, nevertheless, at your word, I'll let down the net. <laughs> so you can see how full of unbelief he was. And yet, even though he didn't believe, he was willing to do what Jesus taught, uh, told him to do. Sometimes we may not understand God's guidance. There are times we may not understand why certain things have happened. And yet God knows. And if there are such times, should we not keep on trusting Jesus? Should we not do what he tells us to do? Now, how do we know what he wants us to do? Well, one of the main ways is by studying his book, the Bible. I think it was Lincoln, perhaps, that said, it's not the things in the Bible that I don't understand that bother me. It's the things that I do understand. <laughs> and I think we can relate to that. God tells us to do certain things. And those are the things that we should do. Nevertheless, at your word, I'll let down the net, I'll be obedient, I'll take it in and do it. Well, what happened? <clears throat> Amazing what happened. Verses 6 and 7. And when they had done this, they enclosed a great multitude, a great bunch, a large catch of fishes. So much so it tells us that their net broke, <laughs> was breaking there. So they motioned to their partners who were in the other ship, they should come on and help them. And so they did, and what happened? They filled both the ships so that they, both ships, began to sink. Now you talk about an answer to prayer. Wasn't that quite amazing? I think of what it talks about God's power in Ephesians 3.20. It speaks of him being able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. I think this is a good illustration of that. They didn't dream of such a thing happening. They didn't even really believe they were going to catch anything. And here they perhaps had the greatest catch of their lifetime. <laughs> Amazing what God can do. 
And so it's so important that we be in the will of God, that we obey the Lord Jesus. The results can be great benefit to us and honor to God. Of course, there's more than just catching the fish involved here. Jesus has a later lesson to teach them, a very important lesson. But notice, after this happened, Peter's response. Verse 8, when Peter, Simon, saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. Because he was amazed, and all who were with him at the catch of the fishes which they had taken. What was really happening here? Peter realized that he'd had unbelief and that Jesus indeed would do what he said. Peter realized that he was a sinner and Jesus was holy and powerful. Peter humbled himself. He was overcome. He fell down in front of Jesus. He admitted his wrong. He confessed his unbelief, as it were. He recognized his own sinfulness, especially when confronted with the holiness and sinlessness of Jesus Christ. You know, when we really are confronted by Christ, have we ever felt this way? Have you ever realized our own inadequacies, our own wrongs, our own sins? There are a lot of people that don't acknowledge that they sin. In fact, I'd say in society, it's the dreaded S word that you don't talk about. But the Bible talks about it. In fact, the Bible tells us very clearly in the book of Romans, all have sinned. Includes us all. Doesn't include Jesus. Tells us several times that he was without sin. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Peter realized that he was a sinner, as we all are. Peter humbled himself before the Lord. <clears throat> he acknowledged Jesus' holiness Jesus' power, Jesus' direction. He sets a great example, does he not? For everybody, should this not be our continual attitude before the Lord as a humble sinner? You know, the publican, you can read about this in Luke chapter 18. <clears throat> the Pharisee prayed thus with himself, it says. Apparently his prayer got no further than himself. Thanking God what a righteous, good person he was. You see, he didn't have the attitude of Peter at all. On the other hand... Jesus speaks of the tax collector, the publican. 
He said he stood afar off. He didn't consider himself worthy enough to get in the close presence of God, perhaps the temple. He beat upon his chest. God, I'm a sinner. Be merciful to me. Jesus said, that's the one God listened to. Not the other one. And so he felt like Peter who fell on his knees before the Lord and acknowledged his sin. He stood afar off. He beat on his chest. He acknowledged himself to be a sinner. He asked for mercy. God granted him mercy. And so what an example this is of the need of every person to come to the Lord to acknowledge his need of forgiveness, to recognize who Jesus truly is. And so we find that the others were amazed too. Verse 10, Simon's partners. No doubt the other ship that had come was, was that ship, their ship. Now here we come to the great purpose, really, of this all in a way. Jesus uses this as an example, as a symbol, as a metaphor for them, perhaps for us. He said to Simon, verse 10, Don't be afraid. From now on, you shall catch what? Men, people. So he uses this miraculous event as a grand illustration of what they were to do. They'd been catching fish for years. That was their job. Now they were to catch people for Jesus. For God. That was their job. And Jesus transferred it to the church when he told his people to go everywhere to preach the good news to everybody, to baptize, to teach everything he had taught. And then he promised that I'll be with you, I'll help you do this. And just as he was behind the miracle of the catch of the fish, so he can be behind us and the church and the missionaries in fulfilling what this really symbolizes. Our job is to catch people for Jesus. It was a miraculous thing back then. It's a miraculous thing, I believe, when a person comes to Jesus but we're to be the messengers. We are to give the good news. We're to share that Jesus Christ, God's Son, came from heaven to earth, became a man, died on the cross for our sins, rose from the dead in a glorious new eternal body. We're to catch people for Jesus 
by sharing these truths. We're to help them understand what they need to do to receive the Lord is to trust in him. Doesn't depend on us at all. Depends on him. When we were driving here this morning, we were listening to family radio. Maybe some of you were listening this morning too and heard this. He mentioned about this little girl named Jessie that years ago fell down a well, 22 feet. She couldn't rescue herself, just a little baby. She was helpless. If she were to live, help would have to come from without. It took them over 50 hours to get down there and finally get her but they rescued her. What a beautiful illustration. We're like that little child. We need to be rescued. We cannot rescue ourselves. But God has reached down by his mighty love and power, and he's rescued us. He's done what we could not do. His grace is reached out. The unmerited favor to bring us to life to safety, and to purpose. And so we find this problem. Don't be afraid. From now on, from now on you shall catch men. This lesson was somewhat repeated. You remember the last chapter of the Gospel of John? Jesus had raised from the dead at that point. Disciples kind of had some time on their hands at that point. Peter said, let's go fishing. (laughs) Though they forsook all and followed him here, yet later on, (laughs) there they were fishing again. This time they weren't out in the middle of the lake. They were rather close to shore not too far. They hadn't caught anything. They'd been apparently working all night like the other situation. And Jesus asked them, have you caught anything? No. Put your net over on the right side and you'll catch. They put it over. They caught over 160 fish. (laughs) Peter immediately realized it's the Lord. (laughs) And it was. He jumped out of the ship. They came to shore with this catch. Another illustration of how God can bless our fruitful efforts. He can make the unfruitful into success. And so he did that. In a sense, he taught the lesson a second time. But instead of saying, from now on you'll catch men, he basically told Peter, Tend to my lambs, feed my sheep, take care of my people. So that was a part of catching people is to disciple people. And so we come to verse 11 back in Luke 5. And when they had brought their ships to land, they forsook everything and they followed him. That's a tremendous example, is it not, for us? 
In our hearts, we need to forsake everything, sometimes even physically. This may be involved. We need to let Jesus be Lord of Lords and King of Kings of our lives. Not just with our mouths, but with our lives and our hearts. One of the songs mentioned about the heart. We're to serve him and depend on him and trust in him. Now notice they did two things here. Luke 5.11. Number one, they forsook all. Peter and them basically had done that. In our hearts, we need to do that. Maybe physically as well for some. We need to forsake everything, as it were. And the second part is we need to follow him, right? If you read John chapter 10, he tells us, my sheep hear my voice. They follow me. I give to them eternal life. They shall never perish. Nobody shall take them out of my hand or my father's hand. What a wonderful promise that is. And so we are called upon to forsake all and to follow him, to live for him. That's what it boils down to. And when we come to church, that's supposed to help us do that very thing. It's supposed to encourage us to believe the Lord and to follow the Lord and to live for the Lord and let him be number one in our lives. To displace self and sin and be the one before whom we fall in humility and faith and confession and dedication. This is a wonderful passage, isn't it? Perhaps when you get home you'll like to carefully read it again and think of some of these things and perhaps other things God may bring to your mind as you study this remarkable incident. Shall we pray? Thank you, Lord, for this incident in the life of Jesus. Thank you how it shows us his power how important it is to listen to him and follow him, to believe him, to live for him. Thank you for the opportunity that grace calls us to do these things. We pray for those who are struggling because of the fires. We pray for Corey and Liz and their four girls. We pray for Cheryl Ann and her family. We pray for June's cousin, Debbie. We pray for others, Lord, who are impacted and some are going through presently great stress. Some have had their houses burned, have lost everything. Some still are struggling in this situation, praying and hoping the fire doesn't get to them. We look to you, Lord. You are the mighty God of creation. You are able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. And so we place all these situations into your hands. Have your will and way, Lord. Be close to your people. 
Be also with those because of the storms in the east and the tragic situation in Afghanistan. Thank you for hearing. Help people to get out. Bless our church. Help us and help those who could not be with us today. In Jesus' name, and we give thanks. Amen.